0: and welcome back to another episode of the Movie Scramble podcast. I am your host Thomas and I am joined tonight by John
1: and Mary. John, first off, how the devil are you? I'm good. I've had a haircut and (laughs) life is beautiful once more with kind of shorter hair. It's been a long time. It's been about five months, I think, since I actually managed to get a trim and it was delightful. Sitting there with my mask on getting my hair cut and you know, the barber having to take the mask off occasionally to make sure he didn't miss any bits around the ear. So I didn't have any wee tufty bits. Very nice. Yes, I'm happy boy.
0: <laughs> I, I was I starting was to get you see your long hair. I was liking it. I know, I, know I was, was
2: liking it.
1: Oh yeah, I'm devastated. Yeah, well, I uh, grew a wee beard and moustache combination as well that made me look like a real serial killer or something like that. And that didn't go down particularly well in the house. Everybody went, no, 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 no. Get rid of that. Please get rid of that. You don't suit it. So you wear a long black leather
2: coat with it as well. That would have really...
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: This would have been a Stetson. A Trilby maybe. (laughs) Something
1: like that. That probably wouldn't have helped Miles. No. Well, yes. But yeah, it's all good, everything's starting to go back to normal a wee bit, which is very nice. (laughs) I'm starting to, I'm I'm enjoying things as they are too much. I'm an introvert by nature,
0: and because of anxiety and not having to do anything really helps (laughs) with the cam levels. Mary, how are you, speaking of anxiety? (laughs)
2: Yeah, I'm totally with you on that one. I'm very much introverted, so I have no real desire to to rush out and do stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm devastated about Joan's locks more than anything else, but uh, I too have branched out and gone to get a haircut, get my nails done, so I actually look like a girl again, as opposed to just, I don't know, a witch that crawled out from under a rock (laughs) and the look that I was sporting (laughs) through all of this. But yeah, I just wish the weather would perk up a bit. It's July for fuck's sake, and it's like a monsoon.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's I think it was maybe Friday or Saturday morning and I actually got woke up with the rain.
2: Depressing. Utterly depressing. And this is how I know I'm kind of middle-aged as well because I'm looking out the window and tutting because I can't get a washing out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, that's one thing they don't tell you when you're younger. The pleasure you get from oh, yeah. putting a washing out on a nice yeah. day.
2: It cleanses the soul. <laughs>
0: <laughs> People will slag us, but you should wait till you get older. Maybe didn't feel this way this time last year, but the minute oh. she got boom, it was washing time. <laughs> much it yeah on tonight's or this evening or this morning or whenever you're planning listening to this podcast all two of you out there we are going to be discussing the 2019 film rambo last
2: blood i've lived in a world of death i've watched people i've loved die some fast with a bullet
0: Love to bury. Yeah, I Now you're probably wondering why you're talking about Rambo Last Blood. A, the cinemas are still shut, and <laughs> B, it's really recently come on Prime, so hey, we thought... Why not? Rambo Last Blood is directed by Adrian Grunberg and written by a script by Matthew Surinlich and Sylvester Stallone. It tells the story of Rambo, who's kind of retired for the most part from his mercenary ways, and he's living in Mexico with his women, his adopted daughter, and all things are good until the cartel get involved, and they kidnap her, and so answers, basically. Um... I'm struggling to really discuss the plot of this film because there's not much of a plot. Who
2: needs a plot?
0: I mean, it's Rambo. If you're walking out of Rambo last blood expecting much of a plot, more than the cartel kidnapped his adopted daughter and he's not happy about it, then where have you been for the last four Rambos? I have my own thoughts in this movie. Mary, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts first because you, you, first off, you haven't seen uh, the other movies. No,
2: ignorance is bliss. I'm going in totally blind to this.
0: You went into Rambo 5 totally blind. What did you think of it?
2: Well, first of all, I really was disappointed that Slice Alone didn't get his shirt off once because that is why I watch a lot of Slice Alone movies. I obviously don't know what happens in any of the other films, so I can't give you any context. And therefore, I feel my opinion is probably slightly less valid. But I kind of took this at face value as a just this sort of... It's literally, it's taken meets home alone, isn't it? And it's just... There's explosions, there's, you know, innards getting ripped out, there's booby traps, there's fighting, there's blood, there's heads being flying off. And as a piece of sort of non-thinking cinema, I actually kind of enjoyed it. I mean... There's no plot. There's no character development. There's so much exposition and foreshadowing. It is not even funny. I mean, you can literally predict the end in a mile off. I still kind of enjoyed it. And I'm kind of kicking myself for saying this because I know you guys are probably going to tell me how wrong I am and how the first Rambo was like, you know, a defining movie of a generation. And this one is just shit in comparison. But as I say, despite all its flaws, I've just kind of enjoyed it on the sort of purely violence, you know, big spectacle, big explosions, big fight set pieces. You know, there wasn't a single character I necessarily cared about because, as I say, every single character is like really two dimensional and there's just there's nothing to it. But it's a bit of fun to fill a Sunday night when there was nothing else to watch. Sure.
1: (laughs) John, you have seen the other Rambo films, I believe. Is that correct? I have. Yes. I haven't seen number four in its entirety yet, but I have watched the other three films in the series and from that I can say that Rambo 5 is a Rambo film because mm-hmm. it's exactly the same plot as 2 and 3 different locations different protagonists but it's exactly the same film I couldn't believe it because I watched 5 first and then went back and watched 1, 2 and 3 1 you're right Mary one is a far better film than any of the others but when you watch two and three, and if you kind of if you were able to overlay them, they follow the same beats, they follow the same foreshadowing. It's pretty much telegraphed all the way through what how this film is going to play out. It was overly violent for the sake of being overly violent because it could be. That's something that I noticed that wasn't so much a, a factor in the earlier films because they were going for a lower rating and therefore going for the, the big bucks, but there was an awful lot of very very graphic violence in this film and i believe in the fourth film it was pretty much the same as well They were going for a more sort of mature audience who (laughs) kind of likes what he does with a knife in various times but as a film it was okay i think probably i've seen far too many films now because i was very much like yourself mary I knew exactly what was going to happen. As soon as I saw him on a horse, I knew that the horse would feature later on. As as soon as I saw him tidying up his tunnels, which is not a euphemism, (laughs) and the camera kind of swept across his work area and there was the bows and arrows and all, all sorts of stuff there. And you think, well, that's going to be a major part of it as well. And then you see the teenage girl and, you know, well, I kind of guess how this is going to go. I didn't paint a particularly good picture of Mexicans, and it didn't paint a particularly good picture of supposedly highly intelligent drug lords. They don't get to the top of their game by basically kicking the shit out of a 75-year-old guy with a a (laughs) nine-inch blade and then saying, no, no, no. I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going. To, I'm just going to scrape your face a bit, so that you can come back at some point and, <laughs> and oh, keep the plot going. I'm
2: going to go. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. sorry.
1: <laughs> it did. You know, I laughed out loud at that, but just because I knew exactly what was going to happen after that. You know, it was very, very stupid. You know, these ruthless guys, and suddenly they're going. Actually no see on this occasion no you shut up I'm not listening to you (laughs) let's just leave them oh man it could have been over 20 minutes basically but apart from that purely on a spectacle point of view yes it works and it's very short that was something that really surprised me about all of the films all of the Rambo films are about an hour and a half an hour and 40 minutes long they do not hang about at all which is probably a good thing because then you would actually start questioning some of the things that are going on in the film. So on that basis, yes, it worked. A lot of other bases, no, it didn't work at all.
0: I'd just like to apologise for calling Rambo a mercenary Through the sequels. That's not necessarily true, doesn't it? It never does it for the money. It's always doing it out of necessity. And this time, it's no different. And that's the only apology I will give this
1: movie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love the Rambo movies. I really do. If I was going to give you my order to best to worst, I'd go one, four, two, three. 4, 2, 3, then this. I'll, the first film's a different thing altogether. The sequels are what they are. I, I'm a big fan of Rambo 4. It's, as you say, John, you've not watched it all yet. It's ludicrously over the top and insanely violent for no reason other than the sake of violence. Without a spoiler, it's like a 10 minute scene when he has an anti-tank gun and he's just shooting people. <laughs> and you're watching it going, but it's going to finish soon. It's going to finish soon. Have you seen that? Have you seen Hot Shots Part Deux?
1: Yes. I they could see the similarities, yeah.
0: Pa- they managed to parody a scene from Rambo that hadn't happened yet. <laughs> Incredible. But enough bit the good Rambo films. I really, really was disappointed by this. I, put this I was looking forward to. it I thought it's Rambo, even if it's terrible, I'm still going to enjoy it. I went for a few pints before it. I took a bag of cans and instead of with me. I, I mean, I thought it was kind—it was kind of gin, so Classier. yeah, it was, it, was, it was quite classy. <laughs> and as you say, the film starts, and the film like the opening credits—you've got the plot mapped out. and That's fine; that doesn't bother me. That's not me being snobbish. I do i like films like that. I, I like sometimes unpredictable because you know what to expect. But for me, the turning point where I started to worry is what you already mentioned, John, when the drug dealers <laughs> kicked the living shit at this old age pensioner, <laughs> and then. I get the fact that, I'm like, you know what, we have got such disrespect for you that we're not even going to bother killing you because we don't see you as a threat. But at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, it's because he's not hes not a threat. <laughs> he's just been battered. And it's actually quite sad to see Rambo getting roughed up with this. So I didn't like that. And then as the film kind of got I just I had all the hallmarks of a Rambo sequel that I should have enjoyed. But I really didn't. And by the end of it, I was just like, I'm glad it's done. And I just thought it was, it was two extremes. There was one when he had no chance against the cartel and he got beaten up very easily to the extremes of the third act, but they took them all out effortlessly. It was yeah. like two different Rambos. I'm just like, I was like, okay, I get the idea that he's gonna he's getting beat up all these guys, but there was no fight back off him. I see Rambo fight back. Make one of them bleed, kill I get something, I don't know. And then maybe they may leave them for dead. But it just seemed to take them all out so easily. I'm like, are these guys really at the top of their game drug dealers? Because they seem a bit inept. I didn't enjoy it. I was disappointed by it. And it upsets me that I didn't enjoy it. Because it's everything I should like
1: in a movie. Yeah, I can understand that. The film is kind of beyond... Stallone I thought as well he he didn't really come across particularly well he's supposed to be this grizzled old man who is just wanting the quiet life yet he's he's always preparing for war which I I didn't quite get It it would have been better if he had to sort of start from scratch Stallone doesn't play the action hero very well in his 70s I thought it was a bit of a blessing that he kept his top on (laughs) Really, I don't think it would have been very salacious I don't think it was It wouldn't have been a high point of the movie It may well be in the the scenes that they cut from the film Apparently this film Was supposed to be the fourth Rambo film Stallone had developed A script for it And he was going to put this Story forward but for Whatever reason it didn't go with it And it ended up being made as a Jason Statham film in 2013 I think it was where they kind of tweaked the story. So it was Jason Statham as an ex-FBI officer or he was in witness protection or something and he had to use his singular set of skills to protect his family against a local drug dealer. I think it was James Franco or something like that. Mm -hmm. He was the bad guy in it. I can see why they really didn't want to do it. This was... It was fun, but it wasn't that much fun
2: that it was enjoyable. Do you know one thing that did confuse me? Like, a lot of people spoke... Spanish to either Rambo or his daughter, and they didn't seem to speak a word of Spanish, but they answered back perfectly in English as if they understood what had just been said. Now, obviously, given that Stallone is barely communicating beyond grunts, they didn't really want him to have to try and speak some Spanish. But it was a really bizarre setup that they kept doing. It was like everybody speaking in Spanish but responding in English perfectly. It was a kind of weird thing that just annoyed me throughout the film. But as
0: I say, I kind of enjoyed the nonsense of it, but that was the one kind of niggle. See, for me as well, it was all ideal. The, the, I didn't really mention much of the plot in the, the introduction because I don't know how much of it was kind of like spoiled all that, but I did find a lot of it quite tasteless in a they went and did. It was almost like, yeah, we get it. You want to give Rambo a reason for his revenge here, but you don't have to torture this character to incredible limbs just to do it. Mm-hmm. You could have a kidnapped, You don't have to, the, the whole drug and rape. It, it just felt very tasteless in many ways and very over the top. It's not like I was like, shocked by it. It was just quite gratuitous and a very kind of like, uh, really guys? Come on. Do we really need this drummed into this? I mean, it's Rambo, it's a revenge move. There's so many ways you can do this and make it fun. For me, there was no fun in a lot of these bits. It was just really too grotesque, even. The writing that is, not the violence. Violence is always a good laugh, especially when it's bad guys. getting their heads blown up, but... I, I just thought the plot was very trying too hard, which I thought was a ridiculous thing to say again for a Rambo movie. And um, it could have been a lot simpler. And uh, cause, uh, once again, I kind of got to the third that when the cartel are going to go and kill Rambo, when Rambo's, just said that he's and and our uh, Kevin McAllister and starts creating traps all over <laughs> his ranch, and that I'm just like these guys have went from being terrifying drug lords to the young team. Who are and, 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 and over their heads, and it was just uh, I, and this film should have been so much fun. And it was, I didn't like it, I didn't like it, I was disappointed, like I said. And the fact I maybe think... as well is sorry, maybe think as well, the fact you said, Mary, it reminds you of so many other films, and these other films have been done better. And that's also a little sad as well that Rambo should be the franchise that's influencing these films, and it's came full circle now that it's copying the films that it influenced in the first place.
2: I mean, I'm honestly surprised you didn't like it. I thought, it be, especially because of the violence side of things, I thought it would be like up your street. It, what it did do as well as the kind of weird Spanish-English mix was, I don't know if there was there was this meme going around. I think it was when Extraction and they were talking about how foreign countries always get sort of washed in a different colour. I don't know if you noticed, but in this film for sure, Mexico was definitely washed like yellow, and it was like, all oh, right, we're in Mexico now because it's dusty and everything looks slightly yellow
0: <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's really sunny in these countries, let's really emphasise that point. I mean, I think this film was actually criticised for being as racist and xenophobic attitudes towards Mexico and the, the
1: typical tropes in that. I'm surprised people <laughs> took offence I mean,
2: Rambo's probably a Republican,
1: let's be honest. I don't imagine Rambo voting <laughs> <laughs> He's a man of action, he's not a, a man of words.
2: He's too cute to put an X in a box <laughs>
1: <laughs> and maybe the
0: thing is as well, it's like, I mean, how old is Stallone in this movie? Is he 75? How old I is he meant so. to be? Or how old is he? How old is he? I mean, the, the previous film before this was the Rambo 4. He I mean, was already old man Rambo. Mm-hmm. But this is like, really? <laughs> and I didn't notice. I don't want to mention it in too much detail because it's a big massive spoiler. There's a post-credits scene in this movie that I didn't watch. Oh, that? And it really changes the ending. And that's all I'll say. Oh. So yeah, if you do right. watch I did see it. And if it you does. do go and watch the film and you haven't seen it before, and you watch the ending and go, huh, watch the post credits and go, huh? That's that's what I'm gonna say.
2: I honestly think you're being overly harsh. I literally spent a lot of time being like blow
0: him up, cut his head off, punch him, take your shirt off. It just, it was... <laughs> I just, I didn't care that point. As a thing, I was just, right the time we got to it. then, it's just, a quite a short film, and it kind of builds up and builds up and builds up to this big wall that's over way too fucking quickly, for my liking. Yeah. And, it's, and then and the movie's finished, I'm like, okay, what happened to the whole usual, the good guys getting these shit in, then gets beaten, was away, like his then comes back stronger type, just, ah... Uh, certain tropes you want to see in these kind of action movies and i think it just in the end it was just too easy for them definitely
1: yes
2: was this made with like a chinese audience in mind or something is that kind of because like how the meg and and other sort of and the other kind of franchise films have sort of been more kind of punted towards the the chinese market because they are now open to a lot more american movies is that kind of what this was aimed at is that why there's such a disconnect or is it just maybe not the strongest in the franchise
1: (laughs) Possibly, yes. I think there was a Chinese production company involved in it. I remember seeing one of their logos at the start of the film. And a lot of films these days are made with the thought that, yes, it should appeal to more than just an American or a Western audience. I know there's obviously a traditional audience in places like South Korea and places like that for Rambo films. And But obviously, China's a massive market. It can actually... China can be the difference now between a film getting a sequel and not getting a sequel based on how well it does there. There's been a few films that have done not particularly well in the States and in Europe, but done very well in China and they've been give, they've been had their sequels green lit on the back of that because there is an audience for it. So yes, I think you're probably right.
2: But the fact well is we're getting so the meg too.
1: Don't rule it out. <sighs> I don't, honestly. <laughs> that first one was bad enough. And again I
2: just want to hear him saying it's a megalodon over and over again. <laughs>
0: God! Smuggle it down. I I I don't I don't think I'm disappointed in the movie as I have that. Yeah. But I mean, here's a thing, Tom. International versions, maybe. In the United States, the UK, Canada, we got an 89-minute cut of the movie. But other countries, including Mexico, actually, Sweden, Brazil, Germany, Finland, they got 101 minutes. So an extra 10 minutes of scenes. What's in them? There's like an alternate opening for a start. And...
2: Oh, I did read about that actually. Because, and I think, is this not what John was saying about this was going to be Rambo 4 and then they sort of shot this opening and then realised they didn't need it and sort of just went for exposition crazy for this one instead. I think it's because it's a sort of mishmash of other plots from other films and it was like kind of scripts sort of coddled together, I think. Not that, that takes away from my enjoyment value. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sticking to my guns on this one. But I think it's because no, I mean, there's like so many stories kind of looped together for it.
0: I agree 100%. I mean, it's like you should, shouldn't you let the plot of a Rambo movie get in the way of the enjoyment factor. <laughs> and although I've been very critical of the script, I'm not very critical of the plot overall because it's exactly what you can expect. I, I like the idea of Rambo taking on the cartel after yep. taking on uh, every army in the world up until this point. It's kind of the, the cartel seems the most obvious kind of bad guy that he's left to kill. <laughs> Like this kind of stage, and cartels are very well armed. They're their own kind of private armies in a sense. The I just didn't enjoy it. i sad to
2: hear that. <laughs> no no
0: Do you know <laughs> there was comparisons be- before it came out? I mean, there those comparisons to Logan, Unforgiven, and No Country for Old Men. I must I mean, stress this is definitely
2: not
0: This, is, this is before movies. before the film came out. But I liked the idea of an old man rambo and kind of gunslinger going up for one last hurrah type idea i mean, the film's got last blood you know it's I, I think that's the thing as well i feel that rambo deserved more of a send-off the, the rocky films i'll I, I thought it was very well done it's a good rocky sequel for old man rocky the spin-offs you've had with uh, creed with the first creed film especially it was really good and maybe i had higher hopes for this based on that instead i didn't feel like a rambo sequel or another Rambo movie.
1: I feel like I've got some random movie with Rambo shoehorned in it. That's how it came across. It was, we haven't had the Rambo film for a while. What have we got lying about that we can use to make one? Basically retool it. That happens all the time with stories. I mean, the the Die Hard series are pretty much not Die Hard. They weren't written as Die Hard films. They were written as something else, and they kind of shoehorn it in. But it's that kind of idea. Yeah, and that's fine. Like, I mean, like Die Hard 3 being the most obvious example because it was a spec script
0: called Simon Says mm-hmm. and it was reworked for Die Hard, but it, that's actually a really good film. Yes. Funnily enough, there's only one Die Hard movie that was written from an original script. The last one? The, one. the last one. Which was Pish.
2: Yeah. Which, ironically,
0: was terrible. Yeah. So original scripts on I mean, this, they they're a great thing. And I'm not too sure if this movie was an original Rambo script or you just say John, it was kind of reworked and retooled in that. But if, if it felt like it was. It felt like it was. And that's again, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It happens all the time. If, that's fine as long as it's done well. To me, it just felt that they had a script line about and then put Rambo in it. See, if this film wasn't called Rambo, I might have been
1: less harsh on it if this was just an Alistair Stallone vehicle. Because the thing is, we would have called it a Rambo film, no matter what. If it was just a an old man and it was Stallone doing it, you would say it's a Rambo film by any other name. And it's a pish Rambo film by any other name, but this way it's just a pish Rambo film.
0: <laughs> maybe. I'm actually really curious, to you go back and watch the Rambo's new, maybe, especially the first one, because... I like I'm
2: going to have my mind blown. Yeah, I, I, don't want
0: to, I don't want to big up too much, but I do think you're going to walk away from that first Rambo film going, wow, what the fuck? That's are
2: not they all I violent? Like, are Because that's... No. No. Oh,
1: no. No. That's
0: no. Like. no, nowhere near it. Nowhere near it.
1: But if you watch one, two and three, he gets his top off in every single film.
2: Honestly, he's one of those like actors that I mean, as much as he his speech literally is not much beyond a the grunt these days, but I think physically he's aged just beautifully.
0: It was a cracking scene that maybe Ramble two or three. In fact, it's probably both of them. We're I mean, just kinda of like standing with a big like machine gun just firing it and just pecks that that. Kind of, his muscles are oh, pitch, yeah. just yeah. <laughs>
2: Something's probably like sprayed him down with oil beforehand.
1: Oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's unbelievable. <laughs> um, what I did find from watching all of them is that he doesn't say an awful lot in any of the films. He's, he's not one of these characters that really has much to say. Things happen around him and to him. and People talk at him and explain things to him. But he doesn't really say very much. He is very much in that sort of man with no name. Sort of the, the Clint Eastwood type, as you say, the gunslinger type character. <laughs> he he uses his, his guns to make the point rather than any words. There's no there's no rationalisation. But a good thing about it, it, it doesn't use catchphrases very often either. It doesn't. No. It okay. doesn't. You know, there's no quips. Well, there was one in Rambo three. And it was quickly put down by the guy who was standing beside him. He says, It's a hell of a time to start making jokes, John, you know, <laughs> when, they were, when they were faced with the might of the Russian army. But yeah, apart from that, you, you just don't get that level of humour. There must have been the temptation for that to happen at some point as well to introduce that type yeah. of element. But it They've resisted it all the way and just kept it fairly straight and fairly dour, which actually does work in its favour. Yeah, I mean... That, it's it doesn't like f- detract from the character, then. No,
0: I agree, and it's, you're right, and if, if he did start trying to kind of add quips in it, and especially in like the first Rambo movie, it just really wouldn't work,
1: mm.
2: uh, the way yeah. the
0: kind of character progresses. But there is actually a line, I think, is for the second one I really like, and it says, uh, to survive the war, you've got to become war. Mm-hmm. But it's not... Delivered like a quippy Arnie type thing, as you say. This is a very sombre delivery. It's a very tragic figure, Rambo.
1: Yeah, like you said, he is not someone who is out looking for war. He's not a mercenary. Everything that he's done is through some sort of, some form of necessity, where the different films emphasise that. But it's never, he's never actually going looking for anything. It's always, it comes to him for whatever reason and he does it for a reason whether that's bad or good or for the okay. plot purposes anything else on
0: Rambo 5
1: last blood
2: could oh, just bloody watch it some mindless fun <laughs> yeah,
1: Hell, yeah in, in these times yes just give it a watch it's on amazon prime so yeah why not
0: yeah and to be fair as much as i say i didn't enjoy this movie uh, i probably would go back and watch it again at some point because i, I will at one point go and do a ramble rewatch from start to finish and I'm not going to leave this hanging. If you've seen the other Rambo movies up to now, you're just watching it. It's not going to ruin your childhood by watching <laughs> it. It's not going to do anything like that. Just just watch it. But uh, just don't be surprised if you don't like it. But hey There's worse movies out there. And there's more important things to worry about than a bad, <laughs> a bad Rambo movie <laughs> in 2020. <laughs> The big theme of Rambo Last Blood that we can't kind of take away from was revenge, obviously, as Rambo wants to avenge the mistreatment, for lack of a spoiler, <laughs> of his adopted daughter. So we decided to look at our top three revenge movies. And this was a lot of fun, actually, to think about because there's some absolute crackers out there. And as Mary Canel did and in our thoughts on Rambo 5, these are the kind of films you like watching. I mean, the, the bad guy, the good guy, sorry, has something bad to happen to him and then he kind of tools up to go and kill the bad guys and it's people you really know deserve to die so you don't feel any remorse at all or sympathy when they're getting their heads splattered open and ripped out. And yeah, that says a lot about me. But anyway, who
1: wants, to, <laughs> who wants to
0: go first and be your first pick?
1: I'll go first. My first pick is the 2017 film Revenge. It is a French rape and revenge action horror film which is pretty much all I need to say about it because everybody's now going to watch it because they think, whoa, this is brilliant. (laughs) The film comes from director Coralie Fargo. It's a French film and it stars Matilda Lutz and Kevin Janssens. The plot is basically the young lady played by Matilda is in a relationship with a married man. They go away together for the weekend into the desert it's very secluded and quiet. They've gone very well together, lots of sexy time, all this sort of stuff. And then his two friends turn up for a hunting trip. And one thing leads to another. She gets physically assaulted by one of them. She complains to her lover, who then basically takes the side of the others. She runs away, and as she is running away into the desert, she is killed or that's what we're led to believe. She is basically thrown off a cliff and left for dead. The next day, the guys go back to basically get the body and find that she is no longer there, and it becomes a game of cat and mouse. And as things progress, she is out to take her revenge on these three horrible guys. This is a film that has got a lovely build-up, it's got a very strong lead performance, and it has got an absolutely batshit third act you mentioned in your Rambo review that you didn't think the third act went on long enough in terms of the action and the blood and the gore. This one would more than make up for it. There is blood everywhere in this one and it is fantastic. It's such a good film to watch with an audience. I saw it, I think, uh, 2017 at and and it's a film that people were actually cheering and stamping their feet at because of the the horror on screen. It's completely over the top, and it was a fantastic experience watching it. And when we thought about revenge films, this is the one that immediately sprung to mind for me. I
0: haven't heard of it. I haven't I seen heard it.
1: Of it, But it sounds
2: amazing.
1: It is particularly good, yes. I don't know where you can get it at the moment, but I would imagine it will be on at least one of the streaming services. It's one of these, it's a relatively low-budget film. It's not that many locations and not that many actors. I think there's only maybe four or five in total in the whole thing, but it works really well. And again, it's only about 90 minutes long. It doesn't hang about at all. And if you like people with no tops on then this is the film for you as well you, you get a wee bit of that sort of stuff you know such a tease <laughs>
0: yes, well, okay.
1: so who's next
0: hi my first pick is the 1994 American mm, superhero movie The Crow starring Brandon Lee
1: people once believed that when someone dies a crow carries their soul to the land of the dead but sometimes, just sometimes, the can bring that soul back to put
0: the wrong things right. It tells a story of Eric Draven, a rock musician who is revived from the dead after his fiance is brutally raped and murdered and he is killed. Why he's brought back from the death? There's some exposition kind of flung in the sentence. It just says, sometimes when a soul is so tormented, it comes back to avenge. That's all you need to know. There's no some big, great supernatural element to it. And this movie this movie got a strong cult following since its release, obviously, for people that don't know what I'm sure you do. Brandon Lee died during the production of this movie when uh incident with a stunt gun accidentally killed him. Now, the actual, if you read the backstory of that and how it happened, it's really tragic and quite shocking that it actually happened. It was a mistake that could have been easily avoided, but it's another story for another time. The movie itself is brilliant, it's a shame as well, it's like Brandon Lee's kind of like breakout role in a lot of ways, this could have really propelled him. This was also a movie that was supposed to go straight to video, and unfortunately it was his death that really did put a spotlight on it, it made the film something bigger than it was supposed to be, and it is great. If you watch it now, a lot of it is dated in terms of the special effects and the style of it, again it wasn't supposed to be a big theatrical release, it was supposed to be just straight to video and they put some extra money into it after Brandon Lee's death to help finish scenes and kind of maybe reshoot the, the beginning of it. But it's great. It's just a very straightforward revenge story where he takes down all these gangsters and drug dealers to avenge his own death and that of his fiance. And the bad guy in it is Michael Wincott, who also played the sheriff of Nottingham's cousin in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. He, in my opinion, is one of the greatest villains of the 1990s. He's got an incredible voice. He looks like a bad guy, What (laughs) else can you want. But the star of the show here is Brandon Lee and as Eric Draven. He's brilliant. He just kind of taps into this gothic imagery that there's a dark humour to his performance. There's a cockiness to him because you know he's immortal. He's been brought back from the dead. So he's killing the bad guys, unlike Rambo. He does have a lot of quips. And they're really bad clips, but they're supposed to be. It delivers them with an almost irony, which probably went flying over a lot of Americans' heads, but we can cut that for the podcast. I take it you've both I take it both seen this, yeah? No, I've never seen this. Really? I, I know all the folklore
2: around it, but I've never seen it. Oh, I I've would recommend
0: it. It's got an incredible soundtrack as well. Again, I don't know what it would be like watching the film now for the first time, because it is very of its time, but it's such a gothy Revenge romance style story that just has a like I said the imagery and in it's incredible and obviously the the makeup of the crow character that just uh, the white makeup with the kind of black eyes it's it's just really engaging the sequels are not worth watching they are atrocious
2: I didn't there the
0: sequels but... the sequels and the TV show I didn't see the TV show but apparently it wasn't too bad but the sequels I think I've only seen one or two of them they weren't great they were not good. This is good, though. I'd recommend this. They've been trying to reboot it as well, haven't they, for years? They've been trying to reboot this for so long. It's it's, it's ripe for a remake in many ways because, because of how popular it is. Uh, people would flock to see it. No one intended, but... How am I kidding, it was. But yeah, I mean, there's everybody from, I think, Jason Momoa to Bradley Cooper has been attached at some point, and I don't think... I think, I think it'll get rebooted eventually. I also believe it will not be with a big A-lister and it will probably be pish. But this one's good. I haven't seen it in a while, but uh, yeah, both watch it. I like it. And it's also nice, as well, to see an old comic book movie that isn't a Marvel DC.
2: My first pick I have waxed lyrical about probably on previous podcasts It is Lee Winnell's 2018 film Upgrade. Basically, it tells the story of Logan Marshall Green, who plays a car mechanic called Gray who lives in a city of basically, you know, it's like the Jetsons. It's like flying cars and, you know, AI-controlled cars and all that sort of thing. But he's like kind an of old-fashioned guy and he likes to do things with his hands and he sort of rejects all the technology. And his wife is then killed in a... She has a car crash with her AI-controlled car. And then these upgraded humans, as they're known basically murderer so he's out for revenge and unfortunately he now can't move from the neck down so he reluctantly gives in to technology and has these this thing called stem fitted in him and he basically goes about on this murderous rampage through the city until he can finally get his wife's killers it's such a good movie i can't i just can't even describe how good it is a lot of people are saying that it's what venom should have been it's got this kind of thumping techno soundtrack the fight choreography is stunning the violence isn't gratuitous but when it's there it's incredible and I love this whole kind of Elon Musk type recluse scientist who's into all this slightly questionable technology and doing things you know for the greater good and I loved watching the character of Grey get to grips with how his body now works because there's a lot of kind of dark humor where he's like you know slapping fuck it or something basically and he's like oh didn't know I could do that and the arms are kind of flailing and stuff like that but it's, it's a classic revenge movie of, you know, wife is murdered, man goes on quest. But it's told in such a clever way. It, I mean, I can't say enough good things about it. It's just a really, really well acted, well shot, different kind of sci-fi take on the, the revenge thriller. It's just, I, don't, I think you guys have both seen it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: It's just a really good movie.
0: I agree 100% may you say. This is the movie that Venom should have been. And it doesn't help matters as much that the lead actor does look a bit like Tom Hardy.
2: Oh, they're like brothers. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and they came out within like, what, a month or two of, of each other, yeah. if even that. Uh, the similarities are incredible. And yeah, you're right. It, it, I, I didn't mind Venom that much, but this movie really highlighted what Venom should have been with a yeah. fraction of the budget.
2: Yeah, I don't think it did have a massive budget. And that's why I was so excited to see The Invisible Man as well. Because I think that Lee Whannell is one of these directors who really gets the most out of basically what he's given to work with and everything that he touches seems to be quite exciting quite interesting quite fresh as well because you know this is a revenge drama it could have gone you know so many ways that we've seen before even with the invisible man it could have been done the same way it's been done before but i I really like his kind of perspective on things i think he's really interesting
1: yeah i really like the fact that as you mentioned he can only move from the the neck up so in the fight scenes when he's doing all these moves and it's been very ruthless, his head is bobbing about all over the place <laughs> because he doesn't know. It's very clever and it's totally logical because that's exactly what would be happening if you didn't really know what was actually happening with your own body. You'd be kind of freaking out in any way you can. And he's doing that and he's all sort of, oh, 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 oh. But yeah. he's, he's getting the job done. Yeah, it was a great film. I think it's just about to come on to Netflix as well. Oh, I think it will be there maybe the end of this week or something
0: yeah i'm sure i've seen that advertised as well that was coming on and i was like oh i might watch 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 that again because it was a cracking film it's very good
1: yeah definitely worth a rewatch yeah
2: totally recommend everyone to get that watched it is absolutely just a cracking piece of cinema
1: my second choice is probably the most obvious revenge film you can have it's the 2000 film gladiator from director ridley scott <laughs> My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius,
2: loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius. Father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next.
1: For anyone who has basically been living under a rock for the last 20 years, yes, the film is 20 <laughs> years old. It's one of these films that's always on the television. I think ITV2 bought it and just, they've just a bit worn out their copy of the DVD. By now they must have. It is Roman General Maximus Decimus Meridius, who is betrayed by the son of the emperor and basically left for dead. And in order to exact his revenge in this life or the next, he becomes a gladiator and works his way to the Grand Circus in Rome. There's been so much written about this film and so many parodies of, well, especially the Russell Crowe character, that it's difficult to take it seriously sometimes. But then when you watch the film again and you watch the spectacle involved and you watch the performance from Russell Crowe, he doesn't want to be doing any of this as a character. He doesn't want his revenge. It's been forced upon him. It's not something that he wants to do. He is there and he is avenging his wife and he's avenging his son. And it's an absolutely fantastic movie. And a nice wee tie-in with The Crow as well. We have a performance from Oliver Reed, who passed away during the, the film and some of his scenes had to be digitally altered to include him in it in some very sort of tricky camera work as well. It's probably it's a film it's near flawless as far as I'm concerned. Some of the CGI has not dated particularly well, especially with the Tigers in the arena, but apart from that, it's a top notch movie. Can't see enough good things about it. I am assuming that you have both seen this film.
2: Imagine I was like, no, (laughs) which is my usual
1: response. I I I wouldn't be surprised actually
0: if Mary's like, Gladiator.
2: Gladiator? No, I mean you're right, John. It's nearly flawless. I love Wicked Phoenix in this movie. Such a snotty wee brat. He's Mm. like the consummate villain in this. He's the perfect sort of antithesis of everything that Russell Crowe's character stands for. But yeah, it's a great movie. Really good choice.
0: Oh yes, it's a, a bright movie. It deserves all the accolades that it got. Um, the performances, the directing, everything. Yeah, great. Did you know there was a sequel planned for this movie? It
1: was a sequel prequel, wasn't it?
0: Oh, not the one I read. No, no. <laughs> and this is legit, it's very cool. There was plans of a sequel that was going to have Russell Crowe back in it. Uh, played Maximus. It was going to be set in the underworld as ah right fights the gods and demons and stuff and i'm just like okay one part of me is like i don't think that really works as a sequel to the movie and another part is inject that straight into my
1: veins (laughs) they had hired nick cave to write the script for that wow yeah because when you think about it he is pretty much the obvious choice for maximus in the underworld kind of idea In fact, he was surprised when they offered it to him, but he he says, yeah, yeah, I'll write a script for that. But obviously it didn't come to anything as well. But they were looking at a prequel at one point as well, his time becoming a general, basically in the lead up to it. And that kind of fell by the wayside again. I think Russell Crowe basically just says, nah, I'm not going to go anywhere near that. Thank you very much.
2: He's too busy just enjoying like cake and potatoes and stuff, isn't he? Because that gladiator <laughs> bod doesn't come too easy, does it? I
0: have went with 2004's The Punisher. Now, a lot of people don't really remember this movie. It didn't do very well. It didn't get very good reviews. And in many ways, I do genuinely believe it was ahead of its time in terms of superhero movies. It was the R-rated superhero movie that people have been clamouring for the last few years, but nobody asked for in 2004. Now, this wasn't even the first time the Punisher movie. Was, well, there was a Punisher movie. There was one with Dolph Lundgren in 1989, and it's not very good. It's kind of like the Punisher name, really. It's not, it's not good. This, however... I've got a soft spot for For those who don't know the story, it's The Punisher's Frank castle. His family are brutally murdered by, insert gangster's name here, In this movie is Howard Saint, played by John Travolta. What?
2: I didn't know this.
0: And John Travolta is fabulously over the top as a villain. He's great. And unlike other versions of The Punisher, it's just like his immediate family that are murdered and this. He murders his entire family at a family reunion, no less. Everybody is brutally murdered. And Frank Castle is shot and left for dead because you just double, double tap these days. You know, you always can just leave the guy alive. And, <laughs> think, and this is a very interesting movie because you watch it and the first like 20 minutes, you're like, I don't think this is going to be very good. There's something very colourful and like. Schmaltzy about it and quite cheesy, and doesn't really, but then once it kind of cuts, the whole tone of the movie changes, the grading changes, it goes grey, it's a lot darker, and it very much looks like a comic book movie, but it's so so violent. Uh, Thomas Jane playing the Punisher, and he's absolutely brilliant in the role, absolutely brilliant to the point you're kind of like, How did they not make more movies for this guy? And I know that didn't do well at the box office and that, but. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean I watched it again recently and it hasn't aged brilliantly in some ways. I mean, for a movie, that's not even that old. It does look quite dated, but in terms of just like funny entertainment, it's a real throwback to your sixties and seventies action movies. Mention John Travolta as the villain. He's just he's over the top, best. You know, he's just he's so. I thought I you just saying over the top. But I kind of find it any other way to kind of describe him. He's, <laughs> he's just so like moustache twirling villain. It's great and um, yeah like Thomas Jane as the Punisher is very good and because this film is very very violent and I remember when it came out people were saying this is too violent for a Marvel movie this isn't what I see for a comic book film and there wasn't a lot of comic book films kicking about here you had like X-Men, Spider-Man, mm-hmm. Daredevil that was the kind of tone people were liking and this were like whoa what, what, what's going on here this guy's brutally murdering people and he does it with such coldness. It's a very humorless movie at times it's very grim it's very dark and there's a scene that really shocked me when i was watching it where in the kind of final third act means this big massive killing spree he brutally murders a guy without even looking at him he walks by the camera pans down and the guy's kind of like all fucked up and like kind of reaches out to him and he just aims a gun without even looking and shoots him as he walks past and you're just like oh man that's badass <laughs> <laughs> And obviously the Punisher's been rebooted again and Netflix the series and that's been really popular and people are going to remember that. There was another Punisher movie after this, Warzone, which wasn't very good. It's supposed to be a sequel originally and became a reboot. It wasn't great. They did make a short movie for, I think, Comic-Con with Thomas Jane reprising the role. It's called Dirty Laundry. That is excellent. It's so good. You've got um, Ron Perlman in it as well. I would recommend watching this if you get a chance. It's a lot of fun. It's, like I said, a bit kind of dated, but yeah, violent, over the top, and there's a cracking the scene of a musician, which I don't want to give too much away, but the guy's also a hitman, and he sings a song to the Punisher, and it sounds really bad, but it's not. It's great. It's really good.
1: John, I think you've seen it, yeah? Yeah, a long time ago. I thought it was particularly close to the comic books, the comic book character of frank castle and because of that it it came across really well yes the the comics are quite violent and everything as well so it seemed to hit that tone You're, you're right in the fact that it is a very adult take on comic books and that wasn't really being done at that point maybe blade was somewhere close to it but even then and i agree with you i i've seen the the follow-up short film as well that's excellent that's really really good I, I really enjoyed that i haven't seen it for a long time and i think based on what you've said I, I definitely need to go back and watch it again
0: like i said i went back and watched it in the last couple of years and i, w- I was surprised how much I had dated for such a short period of time but i still enjoyed it i think it's because we think about the kind of films that have come in, in that time frame or the superhero movies and that and the fact that there has been a new punisher that's been something else on netflix it's still a lot of fun this movie. I still got a soft spot, like I said. Uh, Mary, the fact that your eyes went boom when you heard John Travolta's name, I think you haven't seen it, but has John Travolta sold it to you?
2: Kind of, because one, I like to see what Wig said she was at in his life, like kind of early 2000s. But I mean, he is a kind of good sort of camp villain. Please don't it's John Travolta for me calling you camp. I like And, and do you know what? I've got so much love for the Punisher series that I would give the, the film a watch because I, I mean, I like, you know, hack 'em slashing type of things, so I I would give this a watch. I just I, it's kind of hard to find it. Like it's not on it's not on Netflix. It's not on, and I think the actually I think the actual Punisher series is coming off Netflix. It's not going on Disney Plus, and it's going to get picked up by somebody else to make a third season. But no, I would I would definitely give it a watch.
0: It's yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. As it, John, John agreed with as well. It's very much a comic book movie, just mm-hmm. one for adults. Yeah, and I say that not of a kind of like a pretentious tone because it's a really kind of like deep psychological like character study it's because it's just violent as fuck <laughs>
2: <laughs> i'm okay with this from that sort of you know comic book universe to bleak midlands of, of the uk and um, my next pick is sheen meadows 2004 movie dead man's shoes which i only watched maybe a couple of years ago but i pretty much bawled my eyes out at it it's you know Shane Meadows really really getting to you like in your head and in your heart like what he does best so it stars Paddy Constantine as Richard who returns to small village after he's been serving in the military and he basically has like one goal now that he's back home and that's to avenge the death of his mentally handicapped brother who was kind of tortured and abused by a local gang who's headed up by Gary Stretch who's a really good sort of bastard in this. That's like the only word I can think to describe him. And he sort of starts off by he's got this kind of creepy gas mask and he's going around sort of terrorizing the gang and trying to find out who was really at fault. And then he just starts fucking picking them off. And it's it's violent and there's a lot of flashbacks and it sort of pieces together the story of what happened to his brother who's played really beautifully by Toby Kebble. And it's just it's this kind of curious mix of like outright violence and the kind of thriller aspect of things with just a really heartbreaking sad story of this young man being abused and basically having the piss taken out of him because obviously he was a, a vulnerable adult but it's it's sort of bleak and it kind of makes you look at things that you don't necessarily want to see but as a sort of revenge story I think it's absolutely brilliant and Paddy Constantine a believe co-wrote the film and he is tremendous in it as well it's a really good performance from him i think it's on film four sort of periodically i think it was kind of one of their productions and um, but if you get the chance i think you definitely should watch it it's it's really well put together and it will sort of make you uncomfortable and emotional and sort of shouting at the screen and being like yeah get him that sort of thing Cause it does kind of draw you into the the story and you kind of want revenge too if that makes sense so Have you guys both seen it
0: oh yeah yes yes yeah, it's one of my favorite movies um, let alone favourite revenge movies, this is just uh absolutely outstanding film all around from the performances to the script, to directing everything about it and the payoff where like I said the like we keep bashing on Rambo Five, but I didn't really feel much of a payoff when they finally got the revenge, it was kinda like
2: yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, that was kinda easy, wasn't it? Whereas here, yeah, it's quite easy Why he's picking these guys off, but it's how he does it. And at the end of it you kind you, you do feel an like, a I haven't said accomplishment as such, but you can feel the revenge as a viewer is being stated. But then they, I don't want to talk about twists or anything, anything else after that, but his little revenge mission up until kinda of the end of the movie is is excellent. And there's that scene that yeah. I think is one of the greatest things in cinema when they're driving about looking for him and they find him. Yeah. And they go up to him and you get the kinda of the, the hard man, the kind of local gangster thinks he's a bit tough and he's trying to intimidate and bully him, but he can't because he's not scared of him and he even yeah. says you're not scared of me are you and he just laughs. laughs and goes no And goes see there and puts his hand out and goes you're right there in the palm of my hand and that whole scene's very uncomfortable and it's a way when I can't remember the actor's name sorry where you mentioned him the villain?
2: Uh, Gary Stretch.
0: Gary Stretch is like when he's speaking to Paddy Constantine's character uh, Richard. Paddy Constantine interrupts him Almost and it's so naturally done that it leaves you uncomfortable. It's not a kind of case that I'm the actor waiting for my beat to then come in and speak to mm-hmm. you. He just interrupts and says, I'm sick of your high you anymore. And he looks so for a guy that's so kind of like calm and composed, he looks incredibly on edge the entire time. Oh, and you yeah. just know every every time he's in the scene you're thinking you just kick off and kill someone.
2: Yeah, you're just waiting uns- for like that little Spark to go because the crazy is there. Well, not crazy, but like the sort of unsettled thing is there behind the eyes. And for Paddy Constantine who's not somebody that you look at and you think, oh yeah, he's spilt a brick shit house. I would be really scared of him. But it is, it's the it's the calm and collectedness, but with that kind of hint of, you know, the bomb's about to go off sort of thing that's it's there just, the whole way through the movie.
0: It's so unsettling. It's, this is the first movie has I seen. So anything I've seen after that, I can't help but think of him in this role, whether it's yeah. Hot Fuzz or Johnny Man. Yeah, when I see him kind a of hot fuzz or journeyman, and he's, diff- he's an incredible actor, very, very diverse, I always think of him in this, because he's just mm-hmm. so intense, uh, and he's like a total psychopath, and I'm not kind of giving me too much else in film, but was that scene near the beginning when he's sitting in the kind of wee cafe and mm-hmm. the guy's speaking to him and he's just kind of calm and relaxed, and then he just changes, and you're like <laughs> yeah, yeah. cracking film.
1: Yeah. yeah, you're just on edge the whole way through the film as a viewer, because You just know there's just this atmosphere right from the start. And part of it's got to do with the way that it's shot. It's quite grey and bleak, which I suppose is just a reflection of probably state of mind and the fact that it's like the Midlands of England and it's a grey and bleak area. But, yeah, it's this massively unsettling film. You mentioned that earlier, Thomas. It's just (laughs) it's one that you don't forget in a hurry after you've seen it. No,
2: Especially because as the flashbacks are sort of being pieced together and you're like shit, how much of this does Richard actually know? Because there's some really fucking uncomfortable stuff going on with Toby Kevill's character. Like there's a scene where they kind of force him into a bedroom and stuff like that. There's some really, really uncomfortable stuff going on. And it's like, how much of this does he know? Because there is that sort of, you know, it's like the the flames going down the fuse and you're just waiting for it to to go off. And it's just, it's, you know, it's not a massive budget film. It just shows that these kind of things are every bit as good as, you know, the big sort of blockbuster movies about this kind of particular
1: theme my last choice is the 1967 film point blank it's directed by john boorman and stars lee marvin and angie dickinson it is the consummate revenge film the story of it is that the lee marvin character walker and his friend mal reese rob a major crime operation and instead of them getting away with the money mal and walker's wife double crosses them, shoots him and leaves them for dead. Again, they don't do the two taps. You know, it's not, not, not the two to the chest, one to the head. No, none of that. They leave them <laughs> for dead. And it's actually on Alcatraz Island, of all places. From there, he gets himself together, obviously, with a couple of uh, gunshot wounds. And later, he takes his revenge on everybody involved. Basically, what he's looking for is his cut of the deal and... When he goes looking for it, he finds that what his friend has done and his wife has done is basically to give the money back to the crime syndicate as a way of making their entrance to the the syndicate and becoming part of it. So when Walker goes up against Mal, he is going up against this crime syndicate as well. And this character is one of a sort of singular determination he doesn't care what he does and he doesn't care who he does it to he's out and he wants his money he doesn't want any more than he's being up than he's actually looking for or any less he's wanting exactly what is owed to him and because of that he's not a man that you can actually reason with basically about three quarters of the film follows him as he goes about his journey basically taking his revenge on everyone that has wronged him and anyone that stands in his way of wronging him. It's a fantastic film. It's a very 60s film. Lee Marvin is immense in it. There's a fantastic opening sequence where he is walking down a corridor and all you can hear is the echo of his very expensive black brogues on the linoleum floor. It's just amazing and it's such a ballsy move to start a film because... It tells you quite a lot about the character, but there's no dialogue and basically for the most of it, you're, you're really only seeing his feet. And it's just making a statement about this film and basically the singular determination of this character. It's an immense piece of filmmaking. It's one of my favourite films. Have either of you seen this? I have not. No? Wow. Oh, well, you're in for a treat then. It's always, it turns up in film four and uh, various other channels at various times, but it's one that's really worth a watch. I mean, I'm a big fan of Lee Marvin anyway, and he's a fantastic actor. He brought to the screen a lot of his, his own demons. He, he was traumatised during the Second World War, and through that, he brought a lot of that into his acting as well, the way that he conducts himself and the way that he brings certain characters and certain traits onto screen. And it's very apparent here, the way that he's like, the way that he's focused on just getting what he wanted. Now, this is one of these films that has been, it was based on a book called The Hunter, and it's actually been remade a couple of times. There's a Mel Gibson version of it called Payback, which is oh, I have very seen. good. Yes. I it's, it, it's, it's exactly the same story. There's very little difference in it. and there's been, I think there was a, a Jason Statham version of it as well, Same similar sort of idea. It's one of these films that you can tell time and time again. It doesn't get old because it's such It's a very simple story, but it's done particularly well. And basically, any film with Andrew Dickinson in it is one that I'm going to sit down and watch.
0: I went for the 1988 Western movie Young Guns with an incredible cast of Emulo Estevez, Kiefer Sutherland, Lou Diamond Phillips, Charlie Sheen, Terry O'Quinn, Brian Keith, Jack Palance, and Terrence Stamp. Now, this is based on, or loosely based on, the true story. Of the Lincoln War when an Irishman named Lawrence Murphy wants the land from John Tunstall and kills him. But unbeknownst to him, John Tunstall is actually quite a nice guy. And he's got a kind of like a little wayward lost boys group, so to speak, where he's been taking in very young outlaws and try to teach them there's other ways in life than the way of the gun. He wants to educate them and make them into proper gentlemen and get them a start in life. They don't take very kindly to Tunstall's death, and when deputised, wage war on Murphy and his men. Now, if you don't know much about Lincoln County War, this includes the infamous, a lot of infamous gunmen, including uh, Doc Skullock Dick Brewer, but most famously Billy the Kid, here played by Emil us. and this movie, it's just, I just love it, it's just so much fun, it's so great, it's an incredible cast, the so-called Brat Pack of the era, and they've got incredible chemistry. And, yeah, I mean, you've you've seen this story of Billy the Kiss so many times. Maybe better, in my opinion. This is the best version of it. It's it's not even the best Western, but it's such a fun movie. I love it. And, like I say, it's all about revenge. They want revenge for the murder of their mentor and teacher and friend and father figure. It's quite sad, actually, when he dies. I like Turnstamp. And
2: not Mel Gibson, no.
0: (laughs) Mel Gibson's not in it, but Tom Cruise does make a non-speaking cameo.
2: Do you know, it's been, like probably over a decade since I've seen it. I didn't realise Tom
0: Cruise was in it. I couldn't tell you what scene he's in either. I just know he does make a cameo, but I couldn't tell you where. Um, Kiefer Sutherland, to me, is probably the best thing in this movie. Yeah. And I love the sequel as well. The sequel's great, but I'm a, such a such a, a massive fan of this. I've seen it countless times. I love the score as well. And yeah, it's not it's never going to be regarded as a classic Western. It done quite well at the box office. It did great, do great in reviews. And to me, this film does not get the respect it deserves. No, it
2: doesn't.
0: Yeah, it's your seen new it?
2: personal campaign.
0: <laughs> new personal campaign. Justice for young guns. I mean, the thing is, it's, it's not its not even a film you could remake, in many sense, because it is based in a true story. You would, you would just retell that story, Yeah, you know? and I think for what happened, they've, they've, made us, they've done films about this since, I'm
1: sure. But yeah, you both seen it, yeah. Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah uh, literally, yeah, like... Yeah, you're right. It, it wouldn't be made in the same way, basically because of the cast, because it was kind of the time and all the actors involved were, as you say, part of this brat pack. And there's nothing similar really been since then at all. Yeah, it's, it's a good film. It's a bit, I thought it was a wee bit cheesy at times, but oh, I yeah. thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a typical sort of modern Western for, and it's been made for all audiences. They're not trying to tailor it in any way. It's just it's you know it's an action film and yeah there's there's a lot of a lot of gunplay in it and a lot of humour in it as well. So yeah, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think you're right there, Jamie says. This isn't a, this isn't a movie that's aimed at Western fans. No. This is an action film above above all else. It just happens to be set in a Western period maybe that's why a lot of people kind of looked on those down in it because it wasn't a classic western type feel to it uh, maybe that's why i liked it even more i don't know mm. maybe that's why it's a lot more accessible for me but yeah big fan of this movie i've seen it countless times
2: i mean i honestly must have watched it like well over 10 years ago but i did thoroughly enjoy it i'm not a massive western fan so it doesn't really matter to me that it wasn't a classic western for me it's about as you say it's the, the chemistry between that group of actors and you're right john i don't think there's a group that you could get to sort of replicate that they were kind of pals in real life and that really shows in in the movie My last pick, Niels Arden Opload's 2009 film, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo Her journey has become an international sensation Her secrets have captivated millions Her story is a literary and movie phenomenon I was going to go with a Fincher one of this, but I feel like Noumi Pass just edges it just ever so slightly with her Lisbeth Salander. Obviously, based on Steve Larson's Millennium trilogy, stars Michael Nickfist, who sadly is no longer with us, as Mikael Blomqvist, who is a journalist it's really hard to say that sentence who's sort of dragged into this 40 year old murder case of a girl who sort of mysteriously disappeared at a family reunion in a tiny island and so he teams up kind of not on purpose just with Lisbeth Salander to solve this murder and it kind of uncovers all these crazy family secrets and sort of fucked up family backgrounds but that's although that's the kind of main plot there's a sort of another strand to that and that's where the revenge story comes in and it's Lisbeth Salander's own past she doesn't seem to have been a particularly nice person you know there's talk of her setting people on fire and killing her dad and getting terrible revenge on school bullies so she seems she's kind of pitched as the the bad guy and then obviously the whole kind of story of her past and you know sexual abuse that she goes through there's a really horrific sexual assault in it as well and then she just goes fucking hell for leather on revenge or sort of following their own path and getting revenge on everyone who's wronged her and is she in the wrong? Is she doing the right thing? The revenge that she exacts I get is almost as graphic as the the sexual assault you know there's a a tattoo carved into uh, her victim whose name escapes me and it's very very graphic and very violent you know kind of like the sort of Scandinavian noirs it's all really bleak and it's all sort of you know snowy shadows and sort of The really red blood on the virgin snow, as Hitchcock used to say. I think it's a really well-shot movie. I actually don't think the Fincher remake is terrible. I think it does it justice. But I I loved New Pass as this character. I thought she was excellent. I thought she was really steely, but she was kind of vulnerable. But everything was just all kind of kept hidden under the surface. It was... Kind of similar to the Paddy Constantine character in Dead Man's Shoes. There was a lot going on in the eyes, but everything else was extremely calm. And it wasn't like the sort of typical hacker trope either. She wasn't like pressing a whole bunch of keyboard buttons and all of a sudden, like, the keys to the kingdom were opening up. It was very sort of... Back base you know Blomquist's journalist character is very sort of you know he's a financial reporter so he's very sort of stayed and proper and it's just a really good movie because there is this sort of murder mystery case which unravels and there's links to other kind of murders that were going on you know decades ago and then there's uh, a Sanders own personal journey and I just thought it's a really excellent movie and I, I think it's up there as one of the sort of best modern trilogies that, that have been out recently have you guys both seen it?
0: I have yeah I haven't seen it in a long time I watched the. Uh not long after it came out in dvd uh so would have been about maybe 2010 when i watched it and i haven't seen it since i have watched the remake which is crazy to think that it came out 2011 i think it was
2: yeah it was fairly similar yeah
0: yeah there, there wasn't a great deal of diff- a great deal of time gone before these films were released to me it seems a lot longer looking back but yeah i, I, I love this film when i watched it i thought it was great uh, i like the fincher one as well but i think this one maybe just kind of edges it maybe because i've seen it first that would be the big thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a good choice. It's just in that um, big set. The rape scenes horrible. It's a horrible Terrific. scene, and it should, as it should be, it's a rape scene. It should be horrible, but yeah, it's, it really sticks with you. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's another one of these unremittingly bleak films. The thing is, it's very much up there with Dead Man's Shoes, isn't it? It's a film that you do not enjoy. It's a film that you watch and you take in, and you're and if you're not disturbed by it. With so many aspects of it, yeah. then there's some. You know, it's a, It's like a trigger, isn't it? If you if you sit somebody down and say, "What do you think?" And I say, "Yeah, it was pretty good." You go, right, and you're going on a list somewhere. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's and, a great film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I watched the sequels. I've actually watched the sequels
0: in the cinema, and again, I haven't seen any since. I haven't seen any of these films. Uh, I've only seen them all once. And it's a shame, but then again get like, proper sequels of the American remake because
2: yeah, it it'd be nice really to have some good. follow-ups
0: to that. And I didn't see The Golden Spider's Web, but I saw the trailer for it. And I just thought to myself,
1: this looks like some kind of fan fiction of uh-huh. It wasn't character. anywhere near as good, the, the new film. It was kind of sold more almost as an action film in a way. I mean, if you look at the trailers, she goes across... a a lake on a motorbike that's Mm -hmm. frozen and that kind of thing you're going no it's not quite the same sort of character there are a lot of the same elements obviously because it's from the same source but it just didn't have the the same impact as the first one that may be to do with the fact that you you know the character more at that point and maybe she has softened slightly because she does soften slightly by the end of the third film but it didn't really have the same sort of impact as the, the original trilogy at all. It was a bit of a disappointment in that respect.
0: And I really don't want to use the term fan fiction uh, derogatory because I do know the Spider's Web is based on the book by a different author who carried the series on after uh, Steve Larson's death. I haven't read the rest of the books. I've read the first book and really enjoyed it. I could not get into The Girl Who put the Fire and just gave up with it eventually. I just didn't think it was very well written at all. So I never did finish the trilogy of the books, but I did finish the trilogy of the movies. And the first one was probably the best movie me, though. And it's the first movie I saw Elizabeth slander in and thought she was brilliant, absolutely brilliant in it.
2: Yeah, and I think the thing is, it's just quite a... For all that she's only had three outings, at least in the original trilogy, anyway, she's, she's become a sort of quite iconic, sort of maybe cult figure. I don't think you want to mess around with that too much. I think you know she's kind of seared in people's brains as to what she looks like and how she carries herself and people sort of picture what she thinks and what she's motivated by so I think to mess around with that is always going to be quite dangerous territory
0: yeah I agree and that's kind of just reminded me of what I was talking about with the the crow uh, you get the first movie Iconics the word I was looking for actually regarding uh, Brandon Lee's performances at Draven they made three sequels and a different actor obviously uh, took over by different actors in each film, including Edward Fullong at one point. And <laughs> we're going back we were saying about like source material, these movies were based on I think they were based on novels of completely different source material. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I've only seen maybe one or two of the sequels and they're terrible. You can recreate that magic. And I think yeah. maybe that, I guess I, I haven't seen Spirals but maybe it's brilliant, maybe it's a cracking movie. But as you're saying John from the trailer it was selling something totally different that we just
1: didn't get from that character. And, yeah. No, you're right. It's worth a watch, but it's not anywhere near as good as the, the other films. Okay, and that's us for our
0: top three revenge movies. We went and asked you in social media land what you went and thought. and one of you got back <laughs> is our good friend and listener, Derek, at DK underscore do says he doesn't really have a top three as such, but he's recently watched Dead Man's Shoes and Man and Fire during lockdown, both great movies. Now we mentioned Dead Man's Shoes, but Man and Fire, that was on my short list. Both have you seen it? Nope.
1: Not seen it. It's one of my Denzel
2: missteps,
1: I'm afraid. Yeah, I have seen it. I wasn't sure if it was the Denzel Washington
0: movie or not. Yeah, I have seen it. It was directed by Tony Scott, wasn't it? I think think so, so. yeah. Yeah, it's actually a remake of an Italian movie, which was based on a novel, uh, which coincidentally I have also read. And I haven't seen the movie, though, but I did read the book. and I do like Man and Fire as a great, great story. I thought the ending... I'm still not too sure if I like the ending or not. I won't say anything if you haven't seen it, but... It's a great movie, and it's just a total stone cold revenge movie. You know, it's like total Denzel and
2: has badass lethal.
0: mode. Yeah, yeah it's, yeah, it's a cracking choice. I like it a lot. Surprised you haven't seen it, John. Seems up your street.
1: I know, I know, but it's just one of these things, you know, you, you can't see everything. I do try, but, you know. <laughs> I, I think I watched it haven't... on Film
2: 4 or something, not that long ago. Like, maybe about, a, well, I say not that long ago, maybe about a year ago, but I'm sure it was on, like, Film 4 or
1: something.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, the original, which the name escapes me, I can't, remember, I can't remember if it was called Man and Fire, if it was called something mm-hmm. else, like a, a, a I don't know how it translates, but I'm sure that's been on Film 4 before. Right. Okay. as well but yeah very good choices like I said Man of Fire was on my shortlist as was Dead Man's Shoes but I'm glad you picked it maybe, because it gave me a chance to put in the Punisher watch which I was swaying with I was swaying with that one because I hadn't seen it in so long but and I've had my opinion it had changed slightly since I first seen it mm-hmm. but in terms of the revenge movie yeah you can't go wrong I think all those choices are very good and yeah do we have any news items obviously we still can't get to the cinema films aren't happening and John I think you mentioned recently about uh, Christopher, I think it was David Tennant Christopher (laughs) Nolan's
1: (laughs) Christopher Nolan's
0: Tennant has been delayed indefinitely.
1: Yes it's been taken off the schedule entirely it's obviously the the film that they were hoping would kickstart people returning to the cinemas and it got put back a couple of times and it was scheduled I think it was the 12th of August And now it has just been taken off the schedule completely and has since been followed by Mulan, which has been taken off of the schedule completely. There's been talk of Tenet not getting a day and date release anymore. They may release it internationally and not release it in the States. And obviously, just release it then when things are a little better. In the states, around about 2045 or something like that. And <laughs> but the, the problem all start with to
2: that, masks. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, the the problem that they have is that with a film like Mulan, everybody knows what the story is. There's no real surprises yeah. or anything. But nobody knows what the story of Tenet is, and they really don't want it spoiled on social media by people going to see it outside of the states and then just flooding twitter with story points and all sorts of spoilers just ruining it for people and therefore people won't actually go and see it and obviously the risk of piracy is higher if it's released in other countries especially the likes of south korea you tend to get pirated versions of films with south korean subtitles soon after films are actually released so you know there's all these things to take into consideration it would affect the box office so they may just hold back and release it whenever things are better everywhere and but i don't know it's it's one of these ones it's 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 a money call more than anything else and the, the way everything's looking everybody's putting films back now there's obviously a few exceptions like the bond film hasn't been put back but it's only a matter of time before that gets put back as well, given the constitution.
2: Yeah, I, think I guarantee It's the beginning you... of November for Bond now, allegedly. Mm-hmm. But Top yeah. Gun Maverick, I think, has been pushed back. Mission Impossible has been pushed back. I mean, honestly, if there are any Americans listening, it's not breaching your constitutional rights. Wear a fucking mask because I'm desperate to get back to the cinema and we can't have any movies till you guys buck up your ideas.
0: Yeah, yeah I, don't, I mean, Tenet will become the most pirated movie ever. Yeah. If they try and release it in one country for another, and it's a shame that that could happen. In some other comic book news, there's been some footage of a Snyder cut showing oh. where we see Henry Cavill in the black Superman suit. Not all it is, but it looks of it as a clip from the already Justice League movies we've seen, and it's been altered. The colours been changed, so it's nothing really too exciting, but it is still quite cool to see him in the the black suit. Yeah, just the like,
1: Why? <laughs> There was a report.
2: <laughs> I think these movies look shit. I just don't understand. <laughs>
1: there was a report as well. that came out saying that the Snyder cut will feature none of the Joss Whedon shot footage yeah. at all. It's all his stuff. It's a piece
2: between those two.
0: I got that impression from the way he yeah. spoke about
1: it. Yeah, I think I it's more to, to do with the the <laughs> way that the film turned out rather than sort of personal beef mm-hmm. between them. I think he was actually very pleased at the time that he stepped in and took over the running of the film, obviously because he had a, a family tragedy at the time, so it just didn't turn out the way that he hoped it would. We shall see, we shall see next year. Or we I may not, because obviously we, we don't have HBO Max in mm-hmm. this country. Yeah, go Sky Atlantic though, Sky Atlantic are quite HBO friendly. Yeah,
2: yeah they they
1: are, mean, yes, yeah. Or yeah. Well, we'll see it one way or another definitely. It might even get a cinema release outside of the States, you never know that will be pretty cool. I yeah. supposed to be like four hours long, though. Well, you've got form, you know. Take in a few beers, you know, you'll be fine. <laughs> How <laughs> much you I, I missed? I mean,
2: like, it was <laughs>
0: gin. <laughs> yeah, it was a gin, you know. A bit classy. But Rambo was only, it was only 90 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> so that was our thoughts on Rambo and our revenge movies and any other... wish we could basically think to talk about so let us know at the usual places at movie scramble on facebook instagram twitter you can email us at podcast at moviescramble.co.uk yes yes just double checking and (laughs) you can let us know if you agree with us disagree with us just send abuse hate mail anything you really want basically i don't really care i'll read it all anyway a gin (laughs) and actually a brandy next to the fireplace in my house (laughs) coat reading the hit as I swirled my brandy around thanks very much everybody for your time I hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you soon bye bye